I hear it's raining. What? It's here! It's here! It's here! Finally. What do we mean? Is this thing on? This is Big Green! No, it isn't. Suspicious hair. Suspicious, auspicious. Oh, damn it, I can't understand you. It's the release of our third album, Cowboy Sketch. Songs of Kubrick. Oh, Jesus. Oh, yes. It's fantastic. It's here, it's finally here, it's finally here. I can't believe it. Oh, my God, I'm so happy. Got another episode of Net Track coming up. It's especially long. Yes, it should be. Our idea, I'm afraid. Stay tuned. Order now. Get a wooden ball. Gotta get loose. Cause lately, this life is leaving me cold. Gotta be loose. Cause lately. Time flies, but all I get is old. Hi, this is Lee Majors again. Last week on Ned Trek, the show was preempted by an all-new repeat of the 1968 Andy Williams Christmas special. I think my friends Edie Gourmet and Steve Lawrence were special guests on that holiday gala television event. Meanwhile, the intrepid crew of the Free Enterprise was saddled with a mundane task of reviewing some new cowpoke album called Cowboy Scat, Songs in the Key Rick. Well, never fear, folks. They all survived that indignity just fine. And they're all back with us this week with an exciting new story that's been whittled from the finest science fiction space word tree. Stay tuned. Time flies, but all I get is old. Got to have some slack. I need a quiet place. Space. The ultimate marketplace. These are the voyages of the starship Free Enterprise. Its mission of undetermined length. Um, until we're cancelled, I guess. To seek out strange new commodities. Exploitable alien workforces. To brazenly amass the largest profits that any corporation has before. Captain Romney, sir. We're picking up an unidentified spacecraft on a long-range navigational scanner. That's very nice, mister. I guess it makes for a good test of the sensors, just in case some real bogey shows up. Now, what a great actor that man was. And so was Mr. Fred McMurray. <laughs> he had all sons, just like me. I understand that it all comes down to having superior God-given genes. 
Although we used to call them dungarees. Um, this isn't a drill. And technically, sir, this unidentified ship could be classified as a bogey, even though that term is considered archaic. If it is bogey, we might be just in time to stop the Kane Mutiny. The ship is a Confederate shuttlecraft, the U.S. Connolly, even though it's spelled like cannoli. They could have just gotten the spelling wrong. I'm not sure what company has the contract for putting on Starfleet's name decals. It's probably the latest heavily subsidized half-assed endeavor from Neil Bush the Twelfth. It all depends on what the cannoli is filled with. If it's a rich Italian pastry cream, then it should probably be avoided by me in favor of a more heart-friendly confection. <laughs> you see, I've been listening to those tiny doctors that live inside my cupboards. Willard, before you go completely space-happy on this latest nonsensical tangent, why don't you just shut up and listen to what the computer printout has to say? Hey, Mr. Ned, why is it that a 23rd century computer puts out old-style paper readouts... While even back at the beginning of the 21st century, we'd moved well beyond the need for paper copies of, well, anything, really. All we ask from the audience is a suspension of disbelief, and you're ruining it, Pearl, just like you always ruin everything. That's not true, Captain. I haven't ruined anything for a couple of days now, have I? Personally, I have to exercise a suspension of disbelief just to think of Mr. Pearl as an officer. <laughs> now, boys, let's all try to act grown up and pretend to be the best-behaved spacemen in orbit. I'd hate to have to turn this spaceship right around again. Um, but sir, we're not in orbit. We're in deep space. Now, that's much better. Thank you, Mr. Sulu. At least you sound like a real spaceman. Now, Mr. Ned, what does your futuristic retro computer readout say? The cannoli is a low-powered interstellar shuttle, which was reportedly taken without permission, or more likely stolen from Starbase 12 during the annual Space Libertarian Conference. Damn it, I keep missing those. And they were going with the get-off-my-lawn theme this year. Uh, again. <laughs> you know, I've had my differences with that wing of the party. God knows, but when it comes to keeping gigantic piles of money unencumbered, they are the best allies a gazillionaire can have. I hear you, Captain. Still, they have this knee-jerk anti-foreign war problem. It makes for some awkward moments that would otherwise be considered a smashingly successful partnership. Hello, Captain Willard. You actually have to make a decision at this juncture. Should we enforce Confederate law, retrieve the stolen shuttle, and detain its crew? Or do we let them slowly get away while we continue to impress each other with how boring we can be on a variety of stupid and superfluous topics? What the horse said is true, and I firmly believe that it is the role of any chief executive to enforce the law of the land. That is, unless it is the commander himself who is the transgressor, since anything he did would be, by definition, not illegal. Wow, that's great, Mr. Nixon, sir. Mr. Stephanie A., send a space telegram to my wife and tell her that it's okay for Rodolfo to double-park the hover wagon in front of that fire plug at the Space Mall. <laughs> we haven't been able to do that since our Secret Service contingent was withdrawn. 
Not that it probably matters to anyone, but the cannoli is initiating evasive maneuvers. She's obviously trying to shake us, Willard. Well, should we all start tumbling back and forth across the bridge to enhance the cameraman's shaking effect? It must be that there are libertarians on board that shot all right. They're always trying to avoid me. I mean, I'm not sure what their problem is. I don't smell, do I? Sir, the cannoli is heading for Obobulant space. Of course, they know very well that we can't enter the neutral zone unless we're in an episode that features the Obomulans. And this isn't one. They know that we can't afford to do a special pointy-ear makeup on a bunch of C-list guest actors and incompetent extras, especially given our austerity cuts and the fact that we just featured Obomulans in the last episode. Wait a minute. Wouldn't all that information be classified and held pretty tightly by the studio suits? According to the computer, it seems that one of the suspected shuttle thieves is actually the son of a prominent Starfleet politician, and one of the others is some kind of high-priced Confederate architect. He's also an ambassador, and his name is Howard Rourke. Oh yes, I've heard of him. He's the genius that came up with the designs for all of the government buildings on the planet Dread 4. They're amazingly innovative designs with anti-grav buttresses and holographic relays built into all the windows so government officials can see whatever they want to see outside during a protest or just any old time. It was great. But things didn't stay great, did they? Considering the ambassador tried to blow up the capital city once the buildings were completed. Well, that's only because they didn't follow his original design closely enough. Remember, he's one of the rarest of things, a creative man of the extreme right. He's bound to throw some tantrums. You need to give him a little slack. What were these design adaptations that he found so objectionable? They added doors to some of the buildings. That and a few bathrooms. I know, you're all outraged, too. It really took a lot away from the colossal mono-bar look that he was going for. And as you know, true libertarians just do their business wherever they please. They don't need no stinking bathrooms. Needless to say, following that little terrorist escapade, he lost his status as a favored Confederate architect, though he was allowed to retain his ambassadorial privileges. He was, however, pegged as crazy, so whenever he talks... It's been mandated that certified Starfleet's crazy music plays behind him. Hey, is that that kind of eerie, amorphous, synthesized horn music? You know, like... Hey, they've played that behind me before. Far be it from me to be the one to get the plot moving again, but the director just woke up and he's compelled me to notice that we're gaining on the cannoli. Captain, the cannoli's engines are starting to overheat. Her systems will go critical if they maintain that speed. Captain Romney, if that ship's engines blow, we'll need to have our shields up, or else we're liable to sustain substantial damage to our own ship. I think that our duty is clear. We should disintegrate that ship before its engines go critical. I think it would be for everyone's benefit, except for those on board the shuttle, but I'm all for not counting them. <laughs> well, we can just disintegrate the ship and then beam the crew aboard right in the nick of time. Captain Willard, 
You're supposed to transport them over before you destroy the ship, or there'll be no one left to beam up, you brainiac. <laughs> well, I guess that explains the inevitable transporter malfunction that has so far accompanied each otherwise successful attempted rescue so far this season. Starfleet's command has obligated us to rescue these marginal dignitaries for some reason. I expect that one of them owns some dilithium processing plant or are otherwise loaded to the gills. They've got drinking stuff over there? Perhaps you should consider prioritizing the recovery of their cargo. At least the perishable liquids. They may be of some future use to us. To you, no doubt. Captain, I've got a transporter lock on the three crew members of the cannoli. Should I beam them over now, sir? Or should I wait for your order? Well, normal dramatic protocol dictates that we wait until the ship's engines are just about to blow. We need to fire our weapons at the same time as you engage the transporter. The ship blows, and then we all wait an exciting 30 seconds while the transporter sputters and coughs, but miraculously materializes the crew members to a swelling soundtrack. Wow, that nearly brought the saline solution to my plastic tear ducts. <laughs> what a moving description, Mr. Pearl. Sir, the cannoli is about to blow its engines. I'm standing by with phasers armed on target. Mr. Welsh, Mr. Sulu, fire phasers and energize. Aye, aye, sir. Firing phasers. I'm not in the transporter room yet. Give me a wee minute. The target is destroyed, Captain. Oops. Well, luckily it was near the Abomulan neutral zone. We can probably pin the blame on them again. I mean, that's what they're there for, isn't it? That is, to be assigned culpability? Captain, the crew of the cannoli, if crew is what you'd call them, are on board. They engaged their own transporter right before their engines went critical. Wow, I guess we dodged a bullet on that one. Starfleet would have come down on us like a pile of, um, rigatonian bricks for destroying the cannoli. Aha! They may have even issued us a fine or just not talked to us for a few days. Especially if they thought we slaughtered those dignitaries at the very beginning of an episode. It would go against Hodgkin's law of predictable dramatic plot development. You're right, Mr. Pearl. And it only goes to show that God is looking out for us, just like he often does. I see, I see. We should go down to the transporter room and size up our new guests. See if they are all, in fact, real legitimate Confederate patriots. Or if they're just thieving no-good scallywags. If they're anything at all similar to the prized specimens that I run across every day on the ship, they're probably both. <laughs> I know what you mean, and I'm just full of pride and respect and about two ounces of Antoblian yak cheese. Thank you, Yeoman. You may take the tray away now. So let us go down to the transporter room and meet our guests. Doc Coburn, you're with me. Mr. Ned, the bridge is yours. Aye, aye, Captain Willard. Well, it looks like you've got your hands full down here, Mr. Welsh. Are you auditioning these kids for some kind of outer space version of West Side Story? I always thought that I could make a plausible biff. Or was it Tony Baloney? Definitely one of the Jets, anyway. 
I understand that they were from the more affluent north side of the west side story. <laughs> I believe that they had their own corporate Cessna. I see, I see. They were the ones that bore God's own complexion, and the ones that were worthy of the audience's sympathy. The others were no better than lustful hot-and-tot gangs or knife-wielding Mexicans, all burning with the devil's fire. <laughs> Still, Doc, if they channel their passion into entertaining us and keeping the croquet lawn in top condition, we may be able to keep a certain non-voting population around. Behind electrified detainment fences, of course. <laughs> These so-called guests are making trouble, Captain. They're refusing to leave the transporter room set. And they keep repeating a close approximation of an ancient Welsh curse word. It's bringing back a flood of memories and making me feel wretched and ashamed, sir. Can I please be excused or relieved? <laughs> As third in command of the Free Enterprise, you're allowed to relieve yourself whenever you feel like, Mr. Welsh. But I do ask that you keep as far over to the side of the corridors as possible. That is, unless it's Ensign's Orientation Day, then we're all obligated to give those frosh boys a little something distasteful to do. Why, Mr. Ned, what are you doing here? I thought that I left you in control up on the bridge. I handed the bridge over to Lieutenant Zulu. I figured that you needed at least one officer that wasn't mentally impaired to conduct the questioning of the crew of the cannoli. If you're going to conduct the tryouts, maybe you could start with that guy in the middle. <laughs> what a pair of lungs he has. <laughs> Dear Officer Sununu, uh, da, 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 da. hey, what a great scene. Sure, Willard, whatever. Now, which one of you jokers is Rand? Not talking, eh? I'm betting that it's you, the one with the suspicious hair. Looks like a rug of curlies to me. You can thank your scalp ass that your father's an important Confederate centurion and perennial candidate, or else you'd be nothing but a spoonful of disassociated libertarian molecules right now. And what do we have here? Jeremy Fister Nimrod, former big wheel in the Rand Corporation, an anti-regulatory crusader. Wake up, Jers. It's 2267. We don't have any regulations anymore, except for those that benefit twisted turnips like you. <laughs> They're all just arch-conservative kids, Mr. Ned. It's all just a bit of youthful high spirits. Them stealing that space shuttle and all. Youthful? What? These guys are north of 50. And that guy over there looks to be older than you are, Willard. Maybe even as old as Pearl. What are you talking about, Mr. Ned? I've only seen 22 years of the Redbird. Well, I say, Mr. Pearl's Redbird comes every year. So according to my calculations, Mr. Pearl would be about, uh, 21 years old. Of course, I was intentionally neglecting to include the evil year of 13. But the red bird of Barkas 3 went extinct 40 years ago on account of its eggs always being pilfered by Barkan Kloonzike miners and their insatiable appetite for oversized omelets. <sighs> the fact remains, I've only seen 22 years of the red bird. I see, I see. It's money that keeps us young, sir. That and regular rubdowns of Vitolian char vinegar. I thought that architect guy would be here. He must have died when the ship blew. What a waste. 
That is, unless he had designed it himself and the shipyard installed an unplanned hatch or something, then I think he probably would have approved. Huh, uh-huh. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, touched a nerve there, have I, pal? What were you, Methuselah? Rourke's butler from the 1850s? I see. You're hearkening back to our people's days of glory and righteous living through an intensive mastering program. They weren't servants, sir. They were members of the family that could be treated to the whip or the family noodle when necessary, or cashed in when you come up a little short and have the need to purchase a stylish gentleman's waistcoat. Seems to me you come up pretty short every week, Doc. So none of you are willing to talk to us, eh? Well, I guess that gives our voiceover monkeys a bit of a break this week. Captain Willard, I'm for throwing these guys in the prig. Why don't you let me handle this? During my time as president, I developed quite a reputation for talking sense to demonstrators. I've talked to hippies, yippies, and even a few teamsters. I once had a long list of names written up. You know, the press guys had it all wrong. It was never a blacklist. It was a list of people I wished to invite to the White House for a good, honest meeting of the minds. Anyhow, I think I can get through to these young people and let them know that the free enterprise and its crew shares many of their fringe libertarian values. (laughs) Well, go ahead, Mr. Nixon. See what you can do. Property is the beginning. Rights emanate from the propertied individual or from a corporation. Gold is the standard, and it will be what our currency is based on. Hey, man, gold is solid. Are you together with the cause of the one, Fungheimer? I'm no dirty Fungheimer. I am the president, the very one you speak of. And I want to tell you that my administration had a secret plan to put us back on the gold standard. That sounds solid to me. But can you help us reach our destination? Hey, wait a minute, man. This is the same Nixon that waged an all-out war on civil liberties and prosecuted unnecessary and expensive foreign wars. Yes, but I did it all so that upstanding citizens like yourselves can have more gold. Now you cats should be able to tell us what you're doing in this remote region of interstellar space. Are you searching for the age of aquariums? If you are all so dedicated to reestablishing civil liberties for individuals and corporations, for reworking all regulations, and for returning to the gold standard, then you would know why we're out here. We're searching for the planet Iron. Nobody asked you, Mr. Nobody. Now what did you do with Ambassador Rourke? You didn't kill him just so that you could add a garage to his latest futuristic draft building plans, huh? Did you? But I am Howie Rourke. I am Howie Rourke. But the planet Ion is only a myth. Like the tiny unicorn bear of Lipschkein Ashkar 27. And macaroni made from Jerusalem artichoke flour. Willard, actually, I just talked to that bear on subspace radio the other day, and he just happened to be having some of that very same macaroni. Mr. Nixon, sir, you seem to be able to communicate with these youngsters. Why don't you take them to the Buckley Observation Lounge and give them some ice cream? 
It will be my great pleasure. This way ran Jeremy and you too, old-timer. You were a long-time trusted servant, Ambassador Rourke. Weren't you, old-timer? But I am Howie Rourke. I am him. I am not that old. Captain's Log, Submental. We managed another trademark just-in-time rescue this morning and brought on board a group of delightful young conservatives. All are accused of the crime of stealing the shuttlecraft cannoli. <laughs> but I suspect it was all just youthful high spirits. A young white man of expectations needs to push the boundaries once in a while. Anyhow, the Nixon android has taken them under his wing. They're going to the observation lounge to get some ice cream. And they don't have to worry since it's made from genuine, synthesized, unpasteurized moon cream. You know, I've always had a special rapport with the young conservatives. I think it stems back to a time when I was one myself. Technically, sir, these youngsters average an age between 45 and 92. And they are libertarians or space libbies, if you will. So I'd have to say that they only superficially resemble the college-type Republicans that all of you know and love so much. My understanding is that libbies are a lot like hippies, except they prefer to skinny dip next to the outflow pipes from unregulated industrial plants. From what I understand, some of the chemicals can make it easier to float on your back, just like all the fishes do. Yes, and there's added incentive to swim fast, which is great if you're in training for a race or something. Actually, one of those youths sounded familiar to me. The one called Nimrod. I think I knew him when he was an exec at the Rand Galactic Corporation. Yes, Rand is a nice boy. He eventually came around to supporting my candidacy. Once my nomination became inevitable, <laughs> that's more than I can say for his bitter old man. <laughs> bitter. No, Captain, I meant the other one. You mean that old bastard? He's the one that likely murdered Ambassador Rourke. Oh, yeah, I did hear him mention the mythological planet Ion as his destination. And I understand that that planet's moon is called Randblow. How exactly can a fictitious planet have a real moon? Anyhow, no, I don't mean the old codger. The other one, that Jeremy Fister Nimrod dude. We used to use each other as high-priced consultants back in the day. You know, he'd scratch my back with priceless gems, and I'd anoint his back with some equally precious distillations. Hey, and believe it or not, but I was a liberal at one time. It was Nimrod that helped me get over that, um, disease. He introduced me to my first tremendous pile of government contractor cash. Anyhow, it was that sober reality that compelled me to burst from my liberal veneer like a metamorphic superhero or a Piscinian glutton moth. I later moved even beyond those texts and realized that working to retain an overly muscular imperial war machine was a great way to grease the flow of even more cash to my now vault-like pockets. Anyway, that's what transformed me into the lovable neocon for hire that you see before you now. So if that is the Nimrod that I knew from those former days of glory, maybe I can have a talk with him, if only to gloat a bit. Knock yourself out, Pearl. I still don't trust them. They seem like rogue elements to me, inbred quasi-intellectuals, and showboating backstabbers, kind of like those banjo-picking industrialists back in Mayberry. <laughs> Brings back bad memories, huh? Seems to me that Bain took over a few companies in Mayberry. <laughs> we outsourced all of the jobs to Hooterville. Or maybe it was the other way around. <laughs> hey, I think we did both. 
Mr. Ned, some of my closest friends are showboating backstabbers. Hey, they always get the job of enriching themselves done, and they also get their faces on television. Well, hi, Mr. Nixon. How are you getting along with our young conservative guests? Do they need a pep talk or anything? Or perhaps they need the facts of life explained to them. <laughs> they are getting to that age. Tell them I'll be down sometime this afternoon with my Mormon sock puppets. They're all in straitjackets. <laughs> I'm just back to pick up a few things. Come with me, Mr. Pearl. You can help me reek and roll in a jamboree session. Here, carry this tambourine while I wrangle my Wurlitzer. I must say, I never thought I'd be a roadie for an android former president, but these space teledramas are just full of surprises. You know, man, we need to start grooving onto their square wave somehow. If we connect, then maybe they'll take us to iron. Well, one way we can try to jibe with them is to hit on the Jesus drum. They just eat that stuff up. I had all of those Confederate Celestial Treason Tea Partiers bamboozled once before. I can do it again. I mean, I had them convinced that I dropped Aqua Buddha cold. But I never really did. In fact, I'm thinking about him right now. Sitting there in his octopus's garden, contemplating the inner serenity brought on by gold. Just don't let them catch you in their Jesus Chapel with your scuba gear on, man. Hey, look, man. It's the Nixon android come to groove down with us. This just might be a better way to connect with the crew and get our lift to iron. You know, Nimrod, you remind me of David Eisenhower. Once in a while, when old man Ike was out of earshot, the kid would let his hair down and go all native on the sousaphone. The two of us would really rip a few standards a new you-know-what hole. I know that Trish enjoyed it. I can't say that Pat did. But she did say that my fat Nixon persona gave her constipation. Come on, Nimrod. Let's show the folks how conservative bluesmen can howl. My daddy, this is golden, and it will ring out. Looking for a rich life. Thinking of me. I'm wise, I'm wise. And oh yes, I'm free I'm wise, I'm wise Oh yes, indeed Sitting in a pool of money Back my only precious gold You'd wasted on hobos 
and on municipal trash. Those youngsters can't play more conventional instruments, like the pibgorn or even the Welsh bagpipes, instead of those horrible electric pluck string instruments. They're so harsh on the ear, and even copious amounts of liquor cannot help. <laughs> you know, I used to play a plunk string instrument at one time. I'd strum the chords of some of the world's most beautiful melodies, like Mac the Knife. I'm talking about me. <laughs> It's all about me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 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 oh. Six thousand years ago, the galaxy was formed. Nothing much happened for a long. Watch what I'm gonna do now. There's a giant inequity gap between you and me. That's as it should be. You're free to starve at my feet. You should all be thinking of investing in the planet. Profit. 
Thanks, folks. We're going to pick up the pace with this next number, written by my friend Jeremy Fister Nimrod. This one features your own Mr. Nixon on the Wurlitzer. And by the way, um, I do, uh, love that Jesus fella. Really a lot, dude. Honestly, if he were here now, I, I mean, of course he's here now. Like he's everywhere. And I just love that. So we'll dedicate this to the man himself, to Jesus. I'm assuming that our writers went on vacation this week without telling us. I mean, allowing those libertarian guys to play one number made me suspicious. But now after the second five-minute song, I'm sure. Please tell me that writers can be fired mid-show. Is there a precedent for that? It doesn't sound like anyone exactly straightened themselves writing this song. I mean, it's just a jam session, really. And it's completely late. All I could say is that I hope they're using it as a distraction in order to take over the ship or something. It's just too terrible to think that we're being forced to listen to this without it having any correlation to the plot. Well, it does sound like the tryouts are going well down here. I wonder what part Mr. Nixon is trying to get. <laughs> He'd sure make a great Professor Higgins. Captain Willard, you've got to allow us to get some more information out of that old codger. The one that probably killed Ambassador Rourke. I don't know, Mr. Ned. For all we know, he's the one that's going to play the charming maidservant, Scalia. Scalia, I appointed a judge just like Scalia. Da, 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 da. I hate to agree with one of my perennial adversaries on the show, but Commodore Cheney did make us promise not to neglect his torture gear for too long. He said that in order to keep that stuff in working order, you need to splash it down regularly with fresh blood. He says that the blood really makes the jagged metal edges sing. <laughs> I know, West Side Story is a bit of a comedic tragedy, isn't it? Perhaps you can work a torture regime into the show somehow? Let me take this job, Captain, sir. I mean the question and under duress. As an MD, I was often tasked with watching over the routine maiming and a killing, which is the nuts and bolts of the procedure. My job was to certify that everybody washed their hands thoroughly once they were all finished, that is. <laughs> sure, Doc. Question whoever you need to under that dress. And have the chief requisition officer supply you with those nuts and bolts you mentioned. I must confess, I'm not exactly sure how Cheney worked this waterboarding machine. Doc, you've seen him do it before, right? Does he tie the guy down on the board first? Well, I see, I see. It's not like we'd have much success tying him to the water. Well, not when it's in a liquid state, anyhow. Well, darn it. I think that I might just not be good at this. Hey, Doc, maybe you're onto something. We can freeze the water into the shape of a club and then hit the detainee while he's strapped to the board. The answers will just come pouring out, I'm sure of it. We should at least be able to determine what his name is. But I'm Howie Rourke. I am him. I see. I reckon you must be correct, Mr. Pearl, sir. 
That must be how the Commodore accomplished it and got all those valuable answers from those high-class detainees. Wait a minute. It would take all day to freeze the water, even in our futuristic cold-spot freezer. And I have a conference subspace telecall with my think tank associates at $1,200. I know. We can use the ice club to break through one of the ship's viewing ports. The absolute zero temperature of outer space will freeze the water into a sturdy torture club in seconds. That's brilliant, sir. And then we'll have ourselves all those answers are gushing out along with a sizable quantity of pus. Then finally we'll get a plausible name out of this rascal. I'm Ambassador Howie Rourke. I am an architect for the Confederation. I was assigned to... Hey you, shut up until we start hitting you, or else you'll ruin it. But wait, Doc. We need the ice club in order to break the spaceport. Damn it. This is a seemingly intractable problem, a paradox even. I say, sir, once we have the ice club, we can try to use our patented slingshot effect to go back in time. In our own timeline, that is. We can then hand the instrument a learning to our past selves of a few minutes ago. Hey, <laughs> I say, I say. I used to use a slingshot as a boy. Anyhow... The beauty of this plan is that if we decide to do it, then we would have done it already. We would have broken the window and obtained our ice club, and all while dallying in the past. Hey, I see. Then we would have already handed the ice club to ourselves, and already obtained all of the intelligence from the prisoner. But wait a minute. Since we don't have any such thing, I can only assume that we didn't do any such thing. I'm telling you, I am Ambassador Rourke. I was the designer of the federal buildings on the planet. I see, sir. I have just blown my own mind. What if we did all those things, and we did get all that fine intelligence from this vicious evildoer, but then our own Mr. Ned used his alien horse mind control power on us and put us into a deep Palomino mind trance, and then made us forget all we know, and even how we gained the ability to know it. Well, then, if we believe that, and then enter it into our own personal logs, that would mean that our work here is done, and we'd be entitled to a leisurely officer's lunch, after which I can take my space teleconference call with my think tank. Oh, yeah, shouldn't we put the old codger under sedation and heavy restraints? I see. I suspect that there'll be no call for that. The brutal interrogation that we were forced to forget all about likely left him in a violence-induced security stupor where he can't do nothing to nobody no-how. Well, I am Howie Rourke, and I will show them. I will take over the starship, and my followers and I will resume our quest for the planet Iron, where the streets are in terrible shape. But the currency is paved with gold. So, Rand, do you read sheet music? Yeah, of course. I've got my own form of musical notation that I made up myself. You sound like the Chinese. They've got their own musical notation, too. It doesn't work, though. It's all scribbles. It doesn't make sense. And it's only intended for their own substandard instruments. They all sound like they're broken, but they're not. That's just the way they are made. I've always heard that music is a language that transcends political borders and cultures. But I've learned that that's only true if the foreigners are all humming our tunes. Which reminds me, do you know this one? 
I'm a Yankee Doodle Dandy, a Yankee Doodle Doodle a real and I'm afraid I can't acknowledge that as a song, Mr. Nixon. At least not one that appropriately sums up my feelings for my own Texas home. This is more what we're into, my daddy. Trying to get to Ion. Oh, daddy. Dying to get to Ion. Oh, daddy. I was a problem child. A real Frankenstein. And I thought everything was mine. But it was no mistake Against no reprobate Just in the wrong place And the wrong time Here on the planet I'm so entitled Kind of as me Captain's log, star date zero, 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 destruct zero. <laughs> Oops, that was the secret code that orders the ship to self-destruct. Best counterman that right away, helmsman. Um, I sir. The ship is en route to Starbase 17. On board are a delightful group of young conservatives who are regaling us now with their whimsical musical stylings. Our orders are to conduct them to the Starbase and turn them over to Starfleet Security. But I maintain that these youngsters seem to be able to conduct themselves. In fact, the instrumentation ship of their last song was very skillfully executed. Security alert, Captain Sir. Our prisoner from the cannoli, Mr. Old Codger, has overpowered 12 security guards and escaped the brig's interrogation room. A, a crewman on deck 14 reported having someone matching his old man description heading towards auxiliary control. <laughs> well, we all tend to start losing control of things when we get to be his age. <laughs> Willard, he's more likely trying to get to auxiliary control in order to bypass the bridge's controls. In other words, he's trying to take over the free enterprise, most likely so he could divert it to his mythological libertarian utopia. You know, I always knew this day would come. I just assumed they'd replace me with a younger man. <laughs> oh, well... I, I can always go back to bilking widows out of their life savings. Oops, <laughs> that doesn't sound too good. I mean, back to my intergalactic private equity firm, where we use the life savings of widows to enable foreign sweatshops to make a bundle underpaying even less important widows and orphans. Captain Willard, he's not legally taking control of the ship. He's commandeering it for his own twisted purposes. <laughs> well, this sounds like something that the corporate lawyers need to sort out. Let's allow the system to work, Mr. Ned. We'll just wait a few months and see where we stand then. Captain, Mr. Nixon is calling up from Rec Room 3. He says that the other crew members from the cannoli attacked some of our officers and then fled on foot. I've got Mr. Nixon on the intercom now. Mr. President, sir, <laughs> what on earth? I mean, what in outer space is happening down there? It's all true. Who would have believed it of these fine, upstanding young men? So accomplished musically and fiscally, but like some of my own trusted advisors, they just ran amok. They received a call from their comrade, that old codger fellow, and they lashed out at us with startling ferocity. The one they call Rand hit me in the noggin with his space guitar, 
Such a blow would have killed an ordinary human, but since I'm an android, it only knocked my head off. My body chased after them for a while, but minus its array of sensors, it quickly lost the scent and plummeted down a turbo lift shaft. <laughs> it sounds like some of the gang fighting inherent in that musical they've been working on. <laughs> well, perhaps they are getting a little carried away. I don't think there's anything in West Side Story about taking over a starship, is there, Mr. Pearl? Well, there might be. Most of the popular old-time musicals were recently updated by writers of this show to make them jibe with this new futuristic era of spaceships, weird aliens, and ray guns. However, to be quite honest, I don't think they get very much beyond updating the titles to most of these musicals. Still, West Side Story might be called West Mars Story, and any knife fights could be replaced by Morte fights. Hey, I should start charging to do this stuff. You already get paid way more than the losers that turn out that garbage. Yeah, I know, but I'm still hungry for more. Pearl, how exactly did the old codger escape, anyhow? The last thing I knew, you and what passes for a doctor on the ship were heading down to interrogate him. Yes, that's right. The doc and I carried out a very successful interrogation, and much actionable intelligence was imparted. We gave it to you just before you put us into a Palomino mind trance and made us forget the whole thing. Don't tell me you forgot, too. Maybe there was a mirror nearby and you accidentally put yourself into a similar amnesic state. Pearl, I'd call you an idiot, but it would be an insult to the legions of legitimate idiots on board this ship. Captain, the help controls are dead. Control of the ship's navigation and life support systems have been transferred to auxiliary control. I can't reverse it, sir. Oh my god, I smell gas. They're pumping gas through the ventilation system. I see, I see. Forgive me, Mr. Pearl. I'm afraid that I'm the guilty party here. I think it was my lunch at synthesized flatarian guano beans and turtaxian giblets. No, it's sarin gas. <coughs> it's a bad nerve agent. Probably Syrian President Assad transferred some to the libertarians, thinking they were Hezbollah. <coughs> I knew this would happen. I, I pulled this stuff completely out of my ass. But then by some kind of magic, a few months after I write it down in a column or say it on TV, it all comes true. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Stephanie A., please slip on one of my shirts and start dying for me. Make it look good. <laughs> but don't dip my hair too severely or get it too close to a heat source. Right away, sir. <laughs> Captain Robbie, the libertarians are starting to play another song. <laughs> I'm too weak to kill the intercom, sir. <coughs> Do you think that killing us with gas would be enough? They just had to strafe our carcasses with that unspeakable racket. <laughs> Daddy, open the door. Get 
Oh my god, I'm coming too. I'm not dead. I'm not dead. It must have been the doctor's potent flatulence after all. Captain, Mr. Ned, are you guys okay? If so, can you take a look at my nose? Is it all red? I fell right on my beautiful face. <laughs> Jeez, I ache all over. <laughs> Mr. Ned, should we wake up the doc and have him look us over? Not until we get Mr. Wells to rig up some kind of containment field around his butt. Where the dickens are we, anyhow? This doesn't look like Starbase 17. I think that would look more like a star with a base on it and a big number 17 hung around its corona. Captain, I know that this is impossible, but it's the planet I am. No mistake, sir. There's a Class 5 beacon transmitting daily industrial averages in binary code. They all start with the planetary prefix. Um, it translates as... Ion. Well, I'll be... The kids in their libertarian protest songs are right. <laughs> I'm just glad that their hippie counterparts weren't correct with their own communist songs of peace through unilateral disarmament and non-denominational bestiality. I say, we'd all have slanty eyes now if they were, and we'd be worshipping a peace-loving yellow-brown devil. Jesus Christ. Um, Captain, one of our shuttlecrafts is missing. It's the U.S. Grassley. Captain Willard, those bastards stole another shuttlecraft. They've got no respect for state property. They're extremists and they need to be dealt with. Pronto! Mr. Ned, assemble a landing party of our top bridge officers and prepare to beam down to the libertarian paradise. Invite my financial officer to come along too. I've got a feeling about this planet. As the golf pros say, this might just be my lucky haul. Nobody says that, Willard. I say, I say, this planet iron looks to be everything they said it was. A glowing city surrounded by the most majestic blue mountains. A testament to the beauty of the free market completely unencumbered by government interference. The city is only glowing because the lake is on fire. And those majestic mountains are heaps of radioactive mining waste, which also appear to be on fire. This place is a toxic hellhole. <laughs> well, it's clear that the citizens here have made the choice to live in a model toxic hole. Now that's real freedom. Look, there's the U.S. Grassley. They must have landed here and immediately set out to grow their fortunes. Those lucky dogs. I bet they stopped at that unregulated concession stand. Probably to fill up on delicious deep-fried cucumber piggy pappies. To think. Here they can be truly enjoyed, since the food manufacturers are all unencumbered by health and safety regulations overseeing cucumbers and piggies. Let me see one of those things. Just as I thought, 
This food is filled with DDT, PCBs, and all manner of other once-banned pesticides. They're also laden with enough toxic heavy metals to kill a herd of Taltac elephants, which generally are pretty hard to kill. But those pappies are also topped with a secret virus sauce for no extra charge. Hey, if you don't like it, or if it kills you, you're free to stammer off somewhere else to die, and to take your business elsewhere, whatever future you have left. Taint nobody's gonna get in your way on this here planet. That is, unless a body decides that what he really wants to do today is to get in your way. I bet that Halliburton may just consider fracking that food. Hey, see how the libertarian way of life creates jobs. <laughs> I agree that this place is pretty great. Why don't we try these soylent vittle sticks? Then again, they might have soy in them. Oh my god, look. It's Jeremy Fister Nimrod. He's passed out or, or dead. He must have been just so happy to be here that his heart stopped cold. He's dead, all right. He must have eaten one too many of those cucumber piggy pappies. Well, see, the system works. Now the concession stand won't get any more of his money, and they'll be forced to sell foodstuffs that are somewhat less deadly, or else they'll go out of business. The way I look at it, Nimrod is a martyr for the ultimate unregulated free market. He's a hero. Everyone should want to be like him. I mean, except for the dead part. All he wanted to do was to keep as much money as he possibly could amass, taking advantage of a choked-out regulatory environment. And a choked-out environment. It's like he built the equivalent of the highest tower in the land so that he could shoot a figurative libertarian arrow at Big Brother's ass, kind of like Nimrod did in the Bible. Hey, and his name was Nimrod. <laughs> he also fought to stop his tax dollars going to impoverished moochers. <laughs> Just like Jesus would have done. I like how those strips of discarded radioactive metal are making like a fringe around old Nimrod's head. It makes it look like he's got him some shiny hair. Can we just recover the shuttle and get out of here now? We've probably already been exposed to enough radiation to never have to use indoor lighting again. Wait, we still have to find the other members of the U.S. Grassley's crew. You know, Rand Paul and our former detainee, the old codger. At least he needs to be punished and stuff. Maybe put to death. That is, if he's not dead already. I think that leaving him here would be the worst punishment I could think of. But still, this place is a libertarian paradise. Just look, every 50 feet or so, there's a market floor interface. That means citizens of this planet can invest in anything at any time. They can make a packet of cash whenever and wherever they want. Go check one of them out for us, Mr. Pearl. See if you can purchase some stock that will give us information about where the crew of the shuttlecraft is. Will do, sir. Aye! Aye! What is it, Mr. Pearl? This mortgage-backed security. I tried to invest in it, and it, it burned like fire. Let me see that hand. By that, I of course mean, let me see the day trading app on the communicator gadget, which you are now holding in that blackened hand. <sighs> okay. I say, I say, Captain, sir. Mr. Pearl's 401k has lost nearly all of its value. I'll just run my medical scanner over this investment and... Sir, this investment vehicle is packed full of subprime mortgages. 
and despite its shiny sparkling, and if you don't mind me saying, alluring exterior packaging, it's nigh to worthless. As worthless as a penny whistle on a wet cracker plantation. But it was, it was so beautiful. <laughs> my personal assistant officer for finance, Lieutenant Stash, has informed me that my investments on this planet have just mysteriously increased by nine million credits. Well, well, that's outrageous. You're right, Mr. Pearl. He has long-standing orders never to bother me with news of any capital gains under 100 million. Mr. Stash, you're reduced two steps in rank. Now go smash a cassava melon over your head. Yes, sir. But this is terrible. I'm wiped out. I'm dirt. I'm worse than dirt. I'll be expected to jump into this planet's soylent green processing machine now, won't I? Won't I? <laughs> yes, but your trip on the conveyor belt will be eased along in the knowledge that your life savings will be put into a trust fund for my own Tate. Yes, Tate has his own junior intergalactic private equity firm now. I'll tell him to think of your misfortune while he's at his desk munching on his soylent green lunchable sticks. Hey, Willard, you want a controlling interest in that company now. After Mr. Pearl is processed, you might consider unveiling a brand new product line. You can call it Soylent Pearl. It would be available for a limited time only. You could promote it as making a preemptive strike on deliciousness. And you could also tout the fact that it contains 50% more chicken lard. I see. This Oklahoma colonel says, mm-mm. I can just imagine the pearl slime dribbling down my chin. That's why you get the big bucks, Mr. Ned. Oh, what am I saying? That's right. <laughs> You're contracted as an intern. We're not obligated to pay you one centavo. Well, speaking professionally, that is as a consultant and not necessarily as a meat-based product, per se. I, I do like the sound of the new product in the offing, and I think it has real marketing potential. However, I'm not half as excited about actually constituting the product. And I think that that may be the weakest part of the proposed rollout initiative, sir. <laughs> you know, I completely forgot what I was talking about. You know, great ideas tend to do that to me. Captain Robney, Sulu here. What is it, Lieutenant? Captain, the show has been canceled for the third time. Um, the network executives are here on the bridge. They're forcing Mr. Stephanie B. to break the set down. They said that this terrible episode was the last straw. <laughs> well, they can't do that. Or maybe they can if they're executives. Gee whiz, my last show was canceled too. I played a severe conservative candidate, who was also a dad. Busy with five kids of his own. We were six men living all together in one massive home. I just verified it, sir. They're canceling our show. They need to make room in the primetime lineup for a new show called Manimal. Unlike our show, it's based on a true story, and it's set in the present day. Maybe I could get some honest horsework on that show. Anything has got to be more dignified than this cheap space opera. Well, Mr. Welsh, <laughs> I guess you should beam us up home before they start dismantling the transporter room set. Um, sorry, sir. Mr. Welsh has taken another acting job. He's playing a drunken Welsh coal miner in a student production of West Side Story. I'd beam you up myself, but they've already devoted the bridge's studio space to Here Comes the Brides. I'm afraid that it's now made up to look like a Seattle logging camp in the 1870s. 
Can you beam us up to the logging camp, then? I don't think so, sir. And besides, I'm just now getting chewed off the set by Bobby Sherman, which is nearly as personally humiliating as playing a part in today's episode of our show. You know, Here Come the Bride sounds like a Mormon-friendly kind of show. It reminds me of LDS President Brigham Young. <laughs> His motto was, bring them young and keep them coming. You're thinking of a different show, sir. I think that one was called 55 Wives is Enough, and it starred Osama Van Patten. I see, I see. Don't get me started on the evils of polygamy. Brigham Young was a devil. He was president of LSD. Brigham Young was appointed governor of Utah Territory by none other than Millard Fillmore, probably the greatest president of all time. One that I was just bound and determined to emulate. He was good for punchlines and everything. It's not all bad, Captain Sir. We can all start hitting the Ned Trek convention circuit. And by doing that, we can help drive out the public interest in the revival of Ned Trek. The studio suits will all sit up and take notice. With that, and with the judicious use of firearms on our supporters' parts, those suits can be made to realize the value of our show's important concepts and of its enduring characters. Perhaps we can find ourselves making blockbuster movies in just a few years' time. I say, I say, sir. I can't help wondering what became of Rand and the old codger. Confound it all. I thought that those network execs would have had enough good grace to allow us to find them before they pulled the plug on this enterprise and pulled the plug on the free enterprise. Mm-mm. I say these are good vittle sticks. Actually, Doc, I think you found Rand Paul. In fact, you're munching on him now. Those are Soylent Green brand fiddlesticks. I am... Well, I say, that explains the golden wrapper and the Texas tang. Well, look, it's the old codger that killed Howard Rourke. He's heading for the market floor interface. No, don't touch those collateralized debt obligations. They're over-leveraged. Don't be a fool. Um, arg. Well, I say, I'm nowhere near close to his body, but I'd say that he's dead, Captain, sir. Well, how can that be? I mean, I was financially ruined, too, but I'm, I'm not dead. Nope. Not yet, anyhow. That better bold has been knew he was living on borrowed time. He gambled everything on getting a planet iron and assuming the identity of the man he killed. The beloved if temperamental architect, Howard Rourke. But I am Howard Rourke. I... I am he. I am... I think that I can help there, old-timer. I am Mormon baptized thee Howard Rourke Stabberman. <laughs> I hope you enjoy the hereafter, which I guess is how things will be for you from now on. Well, and everybody's gone. The sets have been taken apart. The cameras, microphone, everything is gone except for you and me. Well, then let's call it a day, Ned, and go back to wherever it is we're supposed to be. I think I'll go gas up the family wagon and get ready for a little family road trip. <laughs> I'd put you up there on top, Ned, but I don't think the roof can hold you. Not with Hamish up there, too. I guess you'll just have to trot along behind. Hey, Ned, where did you go? Oh, well, so long, folks. 
don't forget to watch the reruns over and over and over again. already are we starting <laughs> you're fired it's even worse that's the worst music I've ever heard if you call it music you call that music so is that your approximation of the sun, that big ball over there in the corner, Joe? What is with that big ball? Yes, in our studio we have a large ball. Hey, did you hear the sun might be broken? The sun's broken? Yeah, the sun's broken. Isn't that great? So it's who? It's worked for, well, as far as Earth is concerned, for 4.5 billion years and now it's broken. What's the matter with it? Sunspots, Joe. It's sunspots are off. The cycle. Off? The cycle. It's, it's wrong, Joe. It's something wrong. There's something wrong with the sun. Well, the sunspot cycle is occasionally does it's off a bit, and and this year apparently, well, last year I think it was supposed to be the sunspot year, and so they thought, well, since it didn't happen last year, it'd probably be this year. It's been a very weak, really, year of sunspots. Yeah, very weak. No kidding, huh? So uh, interesting. So scientists are concerned. Yes, yes. Well, I don't know if they're concerned. I have no idea. I heard the second half. I heard the second hand, I mean, through my wife. So Still seems to be like putting out plenty of heat. No, it's not, Joe. That's the thing. It's what? getting colder. It's getting colder. It's getting colder. No, it's really warmed up today, actually, here. In, well, uh, what will that mean for global warming? <sighs> See? It wasn't true. The Koch brothers were right, Joe. Them and their money and their oil. Things go better with Coke. Yes, even if it's spelled catch, catch like crutch, catch. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot to mention this uh, this month's podcast of This Is Big Green is brought to you by the Koch Brothers.
<laughs> I like that note. <laughs> well, that was terrible. You're fired. I don't know what you mean. You're fired. So it's new, Joe. Well, not too much, Matt. Not too much, except... Except! It's here! It's here! <laughs> it's finally here! Yes! My watch! I found it in my sock drawer. Oh, Jesus Christ. I don't even have a watch. I looked in my sock drawer and I said, It's here! They're it's here. here! They're here! They're here! The, the plastic pizzas are here! <laughs> plastic pizza? Plastic pizza's mm. here! Mm. I'm expecting plastic people! <laughs> Joe, this podcast is anywhere. No, it's anywhere. So, so, what is here, Joe? What is here? Explain uh, to the people something. Our new album, Cowboy Scat Songs in the Key of Rick, is here. <laughs> oh. And the official release date. Yes, I have a copy here. Joe gave me a, a, an advanced copy. This man has in his hands a coveted Except copy. He pulled the cellophane off of it. Yeah. So, it's not valuable anymore. It's not contained in cellophane. This has our 47 songs that <laughs> were piled on haphazardly onto this poor disc shaking from the weight. You notice it. as we move from disc to disc, we seem to add more songs. Yeah, well, you know, people get their value. That's right. We started with 13, went to 16 on a second album. Of course, you folks who listen to the podcast, Don't both of you, I think you've probably heard all of these songs twice. In fact. Because they were all originally on the podcast. And uh, last month, of course, we did our review of the advanced copy with... Um, with stars from Ned Trek. Yes, a stellar array of stars. A stellar array of drunken stars. It was quite impressive. Yes, uh, it was It was nice to have a month off, so it was our summer break. I feel rested, rejuvenated. Yes, there was no episode of Ned Trek, obviously. There was, I guess, somebody got to see the 1968 Andy Williams Christmas special, but it wasn't us. Yes, it was the 1968 Andy Williams Christmas special. Yes, uh, why you would be playing that in in, uh, June, I don't know, but it's June in January. Because you had to vamoose. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Thank you, Lee Majors. This week. So, uh, yeah, okay, so Cowboy Scant, it's done. It's Cowboy done, Scat. it's finished. It's done, it's in the can, it's history. Rick decided he's not running for governor. No, he's again, not. He's not. Which means he's probably got his eyes on president. Higher office. Yeah, that's exciting, exciting. President of the new confederacy. He's already president of me. He's president. Of the United States we'd, of love. We'd be so lucky as to have such a powerful piece of manhood like Rick Perry. And his president of the United States of love. <laughs> Hank, we call him our love jive. <laughs> <laughs> yes, fucking waterfully. Yes, that's, Sorry. that's a very obscure reference back to our early club dates. Back. 
back. Although we weren't playing that night, were we? What no, that was the club in, uh, the in aquarium. Castleton. Yeah. The Aquarium Club, which was... <laughs> We've talked about that before on the podcast. Yes. It, it, got, it got flooded out because it was so close to the Hudson. It got flooded out once. and so Hurricane Camille, I think. People yeah. referred to it as the aquarium after that. <laughs> it was very close to the train tracks, too. So whenever a train would go by, the whole building would shake. Yeah. Yeah, well, that was a very narrow town. I mean, it really only had one main drag, and then it was, then every, then it was the river. The and whole town river. seemed like it was kind of. I mean, it was rotten, but not bad rotten. It was just, it was just kind of rotted from all the water. Yeah, all the buildings cool. seemed like they were, you know. It was waterlogged. Yeah. That's because the river was right there. The river, Joe. The river. It's the river. Shall we gather at the river? Yeah, it was... And one time, uh, this band was playing called... Well, I don't know if we should say their name. Blitzen, was it? No, that's that's one of Santa's reindeer. It was something like... It was one of the reindeers. Deers. (laughs) La, 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 la. And well, that's not what they played. They were kind of a, a heavy metal band, yeah. And they were playing on a night we weren't Blitz. playing. Yeah, I think you're right. Blitz. And we went down there, and I don't, I don't think you stayed, did you, Joe? I think you left. I stayed for a little while. And Tim and I stayed for a, a longer time, and we got to see the whole show. And <laughs> this incredibly overweight guitar player, whose guitar, his guitar was like hanging really low, and he's like kind of bump it up with the belly it was this very strange strange thing to do and the lead singer was like really over the top i mean he was like running around ridiculous and, and he started like talking crazy talk and at one point he was like <laughs> like getting really kind of obscure and talking about a tube that he has in his pants <laughs> i had no idea what he was referring to but he was saying what he calls his special tube. Ask Anthony Weiner. He said, I call it my love jive. <laughs> <laughs> and then he went into another heavy metal song. Yes. And it was and there was much rejoicing. Yes, there was much rejoicing. And at that point we I think left because we could not contain our mirth. Yeah, of course you were with uh, Tim Walsh, uh, yeah. who was our who was our first guitarist and he when he started laughing, it was impossible for him to stop. <laughs> yes, yes. His, he, he, would, he, would give you a, he would give you a look. Laugh. He would give you a look literally one inch away from your face. <laughs> <laughs> we are like, girl, we <laughs> Yes. Yeah, exactly like that. Yeah, and, then, so and then you couldn't contain your laughter either, and then you'd have to leave. Of course, he didn't have to worry about anybody, you know, bumming at him because he was a black belt in karate. In karate. So. Hey. Just like Mitt Romney. <laughs> Just like Mitt Romney. Hey, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, he only, Romney only knew two moves, though, Joe. He, he wasn't, he wasn't able to take the, the giant ear of corn, as I remember. <laughs> hey, <yeah. laughs> From the corn ship. The captain of the corn ship. The ship. How was I supposed to know who was corn with a K? 
<laughs> That's right. That was Louis Gomer. <laughs> One of the more ridiculous episodes of Ned Trick. Yes. Perhaps Although, it's best forgotten. Hopefully you've all survived the latest episode with the Space Libertarians. That would have been tonight's episode. The Space Libertarians. Space Libertarians. So what's been happening with you this month, Mr. Perry? Um, well, <laughs> well, it's been an eventful couple of months, really, because we've had massive flooding again. So we actually, well, you know, I think a couple of years ago I talked about the the 100-year flood hit the place and, you know, washed out a lot of bridges and, you know, access roads at the Nature Reserve. But this time, it was the 500-year flood, so it did even worse damage. And it was incredible, Joe. Incredible. Hmm. There's this one area where we have a bridge. The bridge actually didn't get washed away in this case because right underneath the bridge... This is this is in a ravine, mind you. And the water pressure was so strong that it gouged out this um, four-foot trench in the shale below the, the stream bed. So now there's like this little kind of mini canyon at the bottom of the ravine, which j- just missed the bridge's support. So the bridge like still... It's still there, but now I have a waterfall there that was never there before. Mother of next Pearl. To the, next to the bridge, there's a beautiful waterfall. God. So, God yeah, created it was a beauty. <laughs> created beauty. 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 Yes, we all were wishing that we didn't do away with our floodplains. Oh, God. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> what we call Seneca Turnpike here. <laughs> Or it was Route 5 in just outside of... Well, it's kind of going out of New Hartford. Which it is was, a suburb of Utica. suburb of Utica. It's, a very, it's this, a very paved suburb yeah, of Utica. Yeah, there's this big-ass mall that was built there in the 70s. And, of course, the last really bad flood was probably long before that. But but we had a, about the same time that Matt's talking about, we had... A major flood there, and it was underwater. I mean, it was the whole place was underwater. It's because they filled in a swamp, and they, they built yeah, they they've essentially paved that whole area. I mean, there's just yeah. nothing but shopping shopping centers and malls and parking lots and yeah, roads. they paid no attention to it at all. So essentially, there's nowhere for water to go. There's right. it's just all impermeable surfaces. Yeah, so when that wall of water came, it's like, oh, gee, where's that swamp that we used to go into? I know, the water's asking itself. Yeah. It's like, so guys, so other water hey, molecules. <laughs> Let's go, we'll just go to the swamp. Uh-oh. <laughs> hey, where the hell to go? <laughs> oh, well, we'll just go in these cars. Nothing but a freaking mall here. We'll just go in these cars. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, the water molecules kind of sound like Carl Sagan. <laughs> Paul Sagan's ghost. Indeed. Yeah, so that happened. I guess we finished our planting to our tree planting at the Nature Preserve. Very exciting. Many hundreds of trees planted. Many red pine. Beautiful, stately red pine. Beautiful. Also stately red oak. Someday we'll grow in a 
very majestic grove above the pond in the prospective wetland. We planted some bear oak. It's the first time we've ever planted that species. Very exciting, trying a new species. And some gray dogwood. About a hundred of those as well. So many new things were planted. And we had adequate rain. <laughs> Which we don't always have when we plant. So that was good. Very good. And of course there was uh, bird migration happened. That was very interesting as well. Although many birds seem to give us a miss this year. Many migrants seem to be missing. And we were wondering, well, did they just overfly us and go directly to their breeding grounds? Or or, did they, peg off? or did they die somewhere in, over the, the gulf or something yeah. en route? Or did they something happen to them on their wintering grounds in Central or South America or in the southern U.S.? We don't know. Do you have any reports from any other areas, like any other breeding ground areas, where they might end up? Well, as far as I could tell from the breeding grounds that I've visited, it seemed relatively normal. So it seems to me that most of the birds probably just overflew and went right to their breeding grounds. But I I don't know. Because of weird weather, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Just got redirected, yeah. Yeah, well, well, there were several blocking systems that affected our region were called omega blocks and uh do you mean weather, weather yes weather? yeah it's high stationary high pressure systems that the jet stream thing where it was like yeah that yeah that definitely is a factor yeah. but anyway well, my are moving in for saturday i know it's like your podcast is so boring you started <laughs> talking about the weather be sure to wrap up tight <laughs> <laughs> A 30% so what happened of... with you, Joe? Are you on break now? Are you going back to school, or what are you doing? Well, I'm on break, but I'm doing a couple of papers on the language Kinyarwanda, which is actually the language of national language of Rwanda. Jesus. And I have to do a paper on the phonology, and I have to do a paper on the syntax. And where does that language come from, Joe? It comes from Rwanda. Is it? Um, In fact, the other name of the language is Rwanda. Oh, interesting. It's spoken in the Congo and in Burundi. Is that, is that where it derives from, though? Yeah. From how long back? Centuries. It's a Bantu language, so it got it sort of got pushed into that area. Mm-hmm. It's not one of those really ancient. It's African not a click language. language. No, no. There's only there's only little remnants of those. And some of the languages sort of acquired those those features. Some other languages have acquired those features just out of contact. But right. But yeah, this is this is like a. And the fact that it's fun to do. This is a Niger Congo kind of language. Mm-hmm. Can you speak it now? No. Speak it. Say a few words, but. Yeah, I don't worship. know what they mean. <laughs> you will not speak it. You could just say the words and you don't know what they mean. Well, that sounds like you can get in trouble if you go to Rwanda. <laughs> Joe's saying words that he doesn't understand. I'm not learning the language. I'm just learning how it works. What functions. 
Good, good. Yes. We like learning. Yes. And of course there's the release of the album, which we're thinking of promoting with the help of, well, the resurrected Carl Sagan. <laughs> so we have three kind of promotional campaigns. Well, we have plans, yes. Yes. And yes, there are three possible promotional campaign plans. Yes, three avenues, three approaches. Yes. Wild new approach. One involves... What happened to your shoes? Those are my good shoes. <laughs> Jesus. Shoes are... I'm wearing a cardboard belt. <laughs> I say that line all the time and no one knows what the hell I'm talking <laughs> about. It's like Zero Mustel and I know, he's, the producers. He has lost to the collective memory, unfortunately. Is he? Well, in a cartoon sense, he's still there, but they, does anybody remember all these lines? <laughs> I don't know. Great man. He was, was he in, like, Fiddler on the Roof, too? I think yes. he was. Yeah, he was in the Broadway version, I think. Yeah. yeah. And he was, of course, in the producers in the original version that was on television. Yeah. Or the movie. Played it brilliantly. Yeah, he was funny. He was very funny in that. That's good. And, um... I think the last movie I saw him in was called The Front that was with Woody Allen it wasn't a Woody Allen movie but it was with Woody Allen it was about blacklisted writers mm. um, using using other people to oh yeah them. okay Woody Allen was playing a guy who was fronting for a blacklisted writer and uh, Zero Mostel played kind of like a version of himself but a comedian who'd been blacklisted was he blacklisted? I think he was mm. yeah I didn't know that and Herschel Bernardi was in it too, and he would—he had also been blacklisted. Most a lot of people were blacklisted. Yeah. Well, it's hard to not be on one of those lists. <laughs> yeah, I know. It seems I like, like oh. I breathed there around a Communist Party headquarters. There you go. Did That's you have to go speak to the committee, Joe? <laughs> the only thing you could say is, "We're glad we didn't live in Indonesia." <laughs> Indeed. Yes. Indeed. Indeed. So, uh, what? Anything else new in the news? I guess we had the wonderful uh, Zimmerman Trayvon Martin trial. Oh, you mean the confirmation of the fact that you can shoot anybody in Florida without a murder, <laughs> and as long as only you and the dead person know about it, then you can get away with murder? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I did hear about that. Yes, question. there was that. Pretty amazing. That's incredible. Yep. George, good man. Yes. He said he'd he if if he had it to do over again, he'd do everything exactly the same. <laughs> We'd do it again. It's like, oh, okay. Here, you could have your gun back then. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that's well, just what we needed reason. to hear. Yes, that's a good reason. But it was all part of God's plan, Joe. That's right. That was the Indonesian genocide. Goodness me. What a great guy. Yes. Yeah, guys. Oops. It's a couple of eggs short of a it's, dozen. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been interesting to listen to, like, right-wing shout radio yeah, talking I about this. I haven't heard any of it. I, I heard a little bit of Limbaugh's screed about how white people, you know, 
enslaved fewer people than any other race on earth <laughs> for a shorter time we fought a war to end slavery we're the only people who ever fought a war to end slavery against yourselves <laughs> and it wasn't to end slavery I mean it's like it's kind of hard to calculate the level of ignorance but I suppose we should try just for the record incredible yes it's been an amazing month yeah I know and he's from the well old uh, Dimbulb there is from the <laughs> south <so. laughs> Dimbulb is that where he's from is he from Florida yeah I don't know if his family always lived there but I don't think anybody's family always lived there I know there. I was gonna say <laughs> I was gonna say it was like kind of the most the most northern southern state in respect that's true. Don't many, you know? Many do we have Do we have any songs to play this time? Oh. <laughs> we look oh. really kind of out of the swing and doing this podcast. I think uh, we didn't even talk about that. We could yeah. play "You've Got Plenty of Time." <laughs> we talked about doing that yeah. before. <laughs> Scrape in the bottom. <laughs> Relish. Well, we included some, you know. Obviously, we did the libertarian songs and and Ned Trek this that's, week. So that's good, isn't it? Thank God, not for you people. We released an album. Huh? We we do four libertarian songs <laughs> on the podcast. What else do you want from me? We can't just keep up this pace. We can't. It's killing us. We give our all. And then we give more of our all. 
I'm all out of all. I'm ow, ow, ow. <laughs> I'm ow. <laughs> <laughs> what else can we do what else can we do probably nothing so who died Joe we haven't done that segment in a while oh Jesus Christ we don't even know what the fuck <laughs> you told me that somebody told me that Adam died from we don't even know the actor's name the guy that played Adam on the on Stepping Into Eden episode oh, of Star that Trek. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he died. he died like a year ago or something. So I guess this is a little late. Yeah, man. <sighs> yeah. That guy. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, he was in Rambo. Yeah, he was in the first Rambo movie or the second one. I don't freaking know. Yeah, he was kind of a, a dweezil guy. <laughs> Yeah, he was the scapegoat guy. <laughs> Harris, the guy that stood in for all those people that made us lose. Yeah. <laughs> we can play that song. That was a Rambo song from back in the day. Yes, part of the lyrics were taken directly from the Rambo movie. That's right. Rambo movie. I'm sorry, I didn't remember it. 
well. <laughs> you remembered it pretty good. No, I didn't. I was like going. <laughs> I couldn't remember the melody or the words. I fight for every guy who went over there. Yeah, you remembered all the chords. I'm impressed. <laughs> There's only five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they appear in different orders. <laughs> Let's see, I think. I did everything in C. So beautiful. Yes. Yes, so we'll we'll pull something out of the <laughs> we'll pull something out Probably of the Probably not sack that song. That is our archives. Yes, we will. <laughs> We'll pull wooden balls out and we'll pour it into the... Uh... Hey, we have to make our action figures available at some point, too. Yes. Yeah, that was another promotional idea. Yes, well, we, we have should... to have the Mr. Ned show. We should spend a minute talking about our promotional items. Ned track action figures. And since we can't afford to have any produced, we're just going to advertise really nice mock-ups of them, you know, pictures of them. And then if anyone orders them, we'll send them wooden balls. <laughs> so we'll just have the prototypes, but everyone will get wooden balls. Yeah. But that's good, because that helps cultivate imagination. That's right. Because yeah. you have to look at the wooden ball and it imagine... Stimulates creativity. Imagine Mitt Romney. Or imagine Richard Pearl. Or imagine somebody else from the show. Imagine Richard Pearl. <laughs> So, we have to figure out which characters are important enough to be depicted as wooden balls. So probably Mitt Romney, of course, Mr. Ned. We can't have everybody. So, so Mr. Pearl. Doc Coburn. Probably Mr. Sulu. I mean, he's in every episode. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's actually survived from the previous... Probably uh, not Mr. Stephanie A, Mr. <laughs> Stephanie B, or just Mr. Stephanie. Mr. Stephanie. He could be a broken ball. <laughs> a broken wooden ball. Broken wooden ball. Well, who else? I don't know. I guess Mr. Welsh is in just about every episode. Mr. Welsh. But probably not the pirate. <laughs> Murdoch. Pirate. Or any of the one-time episode people like Newt Gingrich or Dick Cheney or yes, or uh, Commodore Commodore Boner Commodore Mendes. I mean, um, <laughs> no, he was in he was in Star Trek Joe. <laughs> he keeps confusing reality with reality. Oh my God! Star Trek is his reality. It is indeed. Yes. We have other ideas as well. Yes, we have other ideas as well. What are those other ideas? Well... Expound. Well, the thing is, when you're self-produced and you manufacture your own CDs and and you do everything yourself, distribution is a challenge. And, of course, we have ambitions to be famous not only on Earth, but far beyond the Earth. In fact, we may bypass Earth entirely and just simply promote ourselves in outer space. And to that end... Hi, 
is the Huygen spacecraft. Yes, there's the Huygen probe. We had uh, this great idea, which is to... Remember where the hit V'ger was? Yeah. Remember, uh, where did you go? V'ger was... Uh, well, I'm just, I'm just abbreviating. From a television show, Joe. It's a, it's a commonly used abbreviation. That's it. No. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> We want to put our record on the side of a space probe because it works so well for the record that was put on the Voyager spacecraft. You know, the one that Carl Sagan had. The one that made Kurt Waldheim a star. Yeah, right. It had Kurt Waldheim. It had Chuck Berry. (laughs) Together. (laughs) Chuck Berry and Kurt Waldheim. (laughs) At (laughs) last. And uh, some other (laughs) folks were on there. Probably Mozart. And some banjo-picking guy, too, I think. <laughs> some banjo-picking Mozart. That's uh, my conception of it. Gosh. Well, we know how well that did. Yeah, so we want to nail our record up on the next space probe. But unfortunately, I think that space probe left without us doing it. So, uh, Huygens kind of... Oh, I'm not sure. Did Huygens take off already? I think it did. Huygens! Huygens, come back here! Huygens! Huygens. Yeah, so we have to beckon Huygens back. <laughs> we have to have a space probe that goes after Huygens, and, then, and an arm comes off it and nails <laughs> our album onto the side of it. There, that's the idea, Joe. Yes, we need a sophisticated. So way luckily, to fix it. I know someone in NASA. I know the chief scientist, and so I'm going to compel him to send out that new probe to catch up with the Huygens probe. That's right. Nail our album on the side. Cowboy Scat, Songs in the Key of Rick. And then that album will be found someday by a very advanced extraterrestrial civilization. That will benefit from it. That will benefit from it, and they'll learn from it. And they'll learn all about Rick. That's right. And when they get in contact with Houston, the people they talk to will know all about Rick. Of course they will, especially if they talk to people in Houston. That's right. Houston. So uh, that's what we'll be doing for a little promotional. Yes, yeah, so we're going to find a way to affix our album to the side of the Huygens probe. Yeah, well, we know how to do it. We just have to implement it now. I've got some tapes that I can compel the chief scientist at NASA to uh, compel him to do our bidding. <laughs> Some tapes with Matt. him singing. <laughs> now, someone might misconstrue this as blackmail. That's not blackmail. It's it's, uh, it's just a way to something I'm listen, mentioning in passing. Listen, originally I wanted him to give me my own Saturn V with troops to show me how to use it, but but now I'm I just want him to send up a little tiny probe, much smaller than a Saturn V. <laughs> so very small. So okay. So we'll do that. So consider that done. Huygens. Okay. What else do you want to hear? I don't know. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's play one of those demos that we had from International <laughs> House. Oh, okay. Which one? Well, I don't know. At random. Can't remember any of the names. Think fast! <laughs> 
<laughs> Mazenheimer. Okay, we'll play, we will play Mazenheimer from okay. International House. And here it is, Mazenheimer. Mazenheimer. From oh, International House. And a three. Earth Mother Goddess, come take me, carry me to your garden. I see a smile boiling in your dreams. Father Anacondia, rescue us from these headlines and take the bad way only in your dreams. You can have peace and labor. They didn't mention the word Mazenheimer once in that song. Well, I think we better cut that out. Yes, for in, in the sake mastering of brevity. Process. Yes, we might have mastered it out. Yeah, because the truth is our songs go on too long. So yeah, they do. cut them out at 10 minutes. Matter of fact, our podcast is probably going a little long today. It's going very long. And I have to cut this off, Joe. As oh, much as Jesus. we'd love to keep talking and talking. Well, I know people really want to hear <laughs> Someday we'll identify who those people are, and we'll send them send them wooden balls. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yes. We'll send them fine. wooden balls. We'll send them wooden balls. We'll send them wooden 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 wooden, wooden balls. <laughs> Barley balls. Okay, I think we should probably. It's time for us to go. It's time for us to go. It's time for us. It's time for us. It's time for us to go. Go 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 go. It's time for us to go. 
us to go. It's time for us to go. It's time for us. It's time for us. It's time for us to go. It's time to go. Us to time for. It's time to go. It's time for us to go. It's time for us to go.